2: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Residents of a Siskiyou County community ravaged by wildfire last month are suing the Oregon-based electrical utility they say is to blame. KQED's Dan Brecky reports.
1: The McKinney Fire started the afternoon of July 29th just outside the hamlet of Klamath River, reportedly near power lines owned by Portland's Pacific Corps. The blaze quickly incinerated about 100 homes in the area and killed four people. A lawsuit filed earlier this week in Sacramento on behalf of five Siskiyou County residents alleges Pacific Corps' power lines were poorly maintained and that the company's negligence led to the fire. Pacific Corps, which serves about 2 million customers, and the Pacific Northwest has declined comment. The U.S. Forest Service says it's still investigating the cause of the fire. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky.
2: Last night, the Siskiyou County Office of Emergency Services announced that all evacuation orders for the McKinney Fire have been lifted. Officials say residents who are returning home should be aware that there's a significant amount of toxic materials and debris in the area. Governor Newsom has unveiled what he's calling a master plan to boost mental health services for kids across the state. The bulk of the funding was approved by the legislature in last year's budget.
3: $4.7 billion, $4.7 billion to focus on universal screening and support and services for all of our children in the state of California from the age of zero to 25.
2: The plan provides funding to schools statewide to hire 40,000 more mental health professionals and increase the number of school counselors. According to the governor's office, more than a quarter million California children struggle with major depression, but more than 60 percent receive no treatment. Meanwhile, suicide rates among young people are increasing. Democrats in California are split on whether President Joe Biden should run again in 2024. And if he doesn't, Governor Gavin Newsom has a strong base of support for a presidential run. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos has more on the latest poll from UC Berkeley.
0: Newsom has repeatedly denied that he has his eyes on the White House, but if he did run in 2024, one quarter of Democratic voters say he would be their first or second choice. Progressive standard bearer Senator Bernie Sanders is Democrat's second choice, while Vice President Kamala Harris was listed as a close third. Democrats were evenly split, 46 to 46, on the question of whether Biden should run again. Independent voters, though, were strongly opposed to the president running. 38% of Republicans, meanwhile, say former President Donald Trump should run. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is a close second among the GOP base, and his support soars if Trump is taken off the list of possible candidates. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring
2: you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. The Biden administration is pledging what it calls once-in-a-generation investments to help Californians dealing with the crippling drought. U.S. Secretary of Interior Deb Holland has been touring the state this week. During a trip to Madeira in the Central Valley, Holland said the recently approved Inflation Reduction Act includes $4 billion for water management and conservation efforts across the western United States. That's on top of money allocated to repair and improve water systems from last year's bipartisan infrastructure bill.
1: Our shared priority is to support efforts to build resilient communities and protect our water supplies for people and the natural environment for generations to come. During
2: a stop in Southern California yesterday, Holland announced $310 million in funding for drought relief. That will go towards funding 25 water recycling projects, 20 of which will be in California. U.S. and Mexico have come to an agreement on how to spend nearly $500 million to reduce the flow of sewage crossing the border. As part of the deal, Mexico has agreed to invest more than $140 million over the next five years to repair pipes, pumps, and wastewater treatment facilities south of the border. Sewage spills from the Tijuana River have been a problem for years. But the issue has worsened recently, including a major sewage breakdown earlier this month that allowed millions of gallons of untreated sewage to reach the ocean across the border. Here's San Diego Congressman Scott Peters.
3: We owe Mexico a lot of credit for stepping up in this really significant way to deal with the problems on its side of the border uh, and to share this responsibility with us because we are one region.
2: The most recent spill has closed beaches across parts of San Diego County for weeks. And in other news, monkeypox cases in L.A. County continue to climb. As KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, more than 1,000 people have tested positive. New monkeypox cases have grown by
0: 33% since just last week. Now 1,036 people in Los Angeles County have tested positive for monkeypox since the outbreak began in May. Most cases are among men who have sex with men. At the same time, the supply of vaccines provided by the federal government has been cut. This week, L.A. County received just 40% of the doses it asked for. That means eligibility for the vaccines will remain restricted to high-risk men who have sex with with men and transgender people. Statewide, California reports 2,663 cases, the second highest number after New York. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles.
2: Starting next year, Californians will be able to sue people who distribute ghost guns and assault weapons illegally. That's thanks to a new law Governor Newsom signed late last month. The law is modeled on Texas abortion legislation, and both of the laws offer private citizens a chance at financial rewards for reporting other people's activities. Nigel Duara is a justice reporter at CalMatters, and he's written about the ties between these laws and centuries-old bounty hunting systems. He joins me now to share more. Hi, Nigel.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
2: Of course. So let's just do a quick recap of the Texas abortion law, S.B. 8, which passed in 2021.
1: Sure. So before Roe v. Wade was officially overturned by the Supreme Court, there were lots of states that were already finding ways to make it really hard to get an abortion. And Texas was one of those. In 2013, they closed down half of their abortion clinics and uh, Wendy Davis made a protest against it. So to effectively ban abortion without violating what was then still a federally protected right under Roe v. Wade... Texas decided to put a bounty on people, helping others to get an abortion.
2: And now, how does the California law, which Governor Newsom signed a few weeks ago, mirror that Texas legislation?
1: Well, first, it mentions the Texas legislation inside of the bill itself. And it says that anyone that's selling what California defines as an assault weapon or a ghost gun, meaning that the serial numbers are filed off, can be reported. And in both the California and in the Texas bills, They put bounties on these claims. So basically, if you find someone in Texas who assisted someone else to get an abortion or you find someone in California who is selling illegal guns or ghost guns or assault weapons, then you can report them. And if you report them, you can actually get a financial reward. The state is incentivizing everyone going out and doing this.
2: This kind of reminds me of like making a citizen's arrest. And I know you've been looking into the history of citizen enforcement of laws. Where did these laws come from?
1: Well, the first bounty laws in history go back to England in like the 1300s, but they carried over with the colonists into the early days of the U.S. And this is what David Engstrom told me. He's a law professor at Stanford.
2: Before you had a really strong
0: central state, and before you had a professional civil service, a lot of government services were provided on a bounty or a fee-for-service basis.
1: But what ended up happening was U.S. lawmakers created a system that encouraged bounty hunters to maximize their earnings by finding the most crimes, not the most serious crimes. So people's incentive wasn't to stop crime, but to get the bounty however they could. And Congress decided you can't run a country like that. So we eventually slowly got rid of bounties at the state level, at the federal level, and instead we started hiring people to do those jobs full-time, like IRS agents and beat cops.
2: So what are experts afraid of now that these bounty laws are becoming more common again?
1: Well, I think some of the concerns are in the California law, right? The morning that it's enacted, Governor Newsom is on Twitter and he's talking to Greg Abbott and he's running ads in Florida telling people to move here. So it's hard to look at those and say that he wasn't trying to sort of troll those states. It's also important to note that in the California law, there's sort of this self-destruct clause, right? That it says if the courts find that the Texas law is unconstitutional, then this one goes away too. For both laws, for their part, the ACLU calls them an attack on the constitution and Experts are kind of worried that this is setting a precedent, that this can tell states that bounties are a way to enforce the laws they want without technically violating the Constitution. So there's a concern, right, that this is going to create this dangerous workaround. And we're already seeing it. These bounty laws are already cropping up in other states, like in Idaho and in Illinois. Uh, those apply to abortion in Idaho and guns in Illinois. But the question is I think to us and to these legal scholars is reverting to citizen enforcement really the best way to enforce the laws? that the government couldn't otherwise enforce.
2: Nigel Duara covers justice for Cal Matters. Nigel, thanks again for talking with us. Thanks so much. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Reports weekly magazine. We all pass by storefronts every day, but we're often on autopilot, not thinking about the people and stories behind our local businesses. On this week's magazine, reporter Noah Boston decided to find the stories hidden in plain sight on Berkeley's San Pablo Avenue, like the difficult choices immigrants have to make to stay afloat.
3: My name is uh, Joe Ahmadiyya. I am the owner of Auto Doctor in Berkeley, 1830 San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley. I've been here in this spot 26 years, and I'm selling used cars. I migrated from the Middle East. I came for the purpose of you know pursuing my education. and I went to Santa Clara University. I studied biology. And then when I graduated, I told myself that I'm poor and I don't have much money. So why don't I um, you know come to business selling cars, make some money maybe a couple of years, and then go back to school and finish you know my education? The next year when I came to business, the letter came from uh, both universities, California College of Podiatry, Medicine, San Francisco, and University of Pacific Dental School, that we are not gonna hold your seat next year. So if you want, you need to come in and register. And I didn't go there. And now I am regretting every day I think about it at least once a day that I, why I didn't, you know, finish my education. All those years, is 32 years, it passed by like a 32 seconds.
2: You can hear more about the hopes and dreams of San Pablo Avenue on this week's half-hour magazine from The California Report. Tune in on your public radio station or download The California Report magazine podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, August 19th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, Seal Muller, Jim Bennett, and Christopher Beal. Our producers are Amanda Stupai and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our vice president of news is Ethan tovin lindsay and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Support for the California report comes from Silicon Valley Community Foundation, supporting KQED reporting on early childhood policies and practices around the state. Learn more at siliconvalleycf.org. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org.
0: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
2: I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.